Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we help you discover innovative startups in the outdoor sport industry. Join us as we tell the story of brands who are paving the way for the future of outdoor sports. And here's your host, Josh Salvo. Hey, Ready Eddy Podcast listeners. Do you love skiing, snowboarding, climbing, hiking, camping, surfing, kayaking, or mountain biking? know that there are thousands of new outdoor sports startups launching each year with incredible stories and products that are revolutionizing their sports. At Ready Yeti, we are a community of outdoor sport enthusiasts that love discovering new brands and supporting the ones that make innovative, quality products and that have a drive to give back. At ReadyYeti.com, we give away products every two weeks from your soon-to-be favorite outdoor sports startups. Check out ReadyYeti.com and become a part of our daily growing outdoor sports community and be among the first to discover tomorrow's outdoor sport brands. What is going on, Ready Eddie Podcast listeners? Josh Savo here, your host. On today's episode, I am chatting with the founder of Aniche Bags, Jeremy Homestead, and his team, Mark Ortiz and Forrest Rodman. I really enjoyed this episode as Jeremy, Mark, and Forrest have a ton of energy and passion for handmaking the highest quality packs and bags. From chatting from with these guys, you can really tell that their blood, sweat, and tears really goes into the products that they make. In this episode, we really get to know them. They share how they got their start, where they're going, and what really uh, drives their business. Um, they're based out of Driggs, Idaho. And in, in addition, I wanted to make a quick shout out to SBC Skier, who is partnering with us during our Deviation and Aniche Bags giveaway. SBC Skier has shown us a ton of support in helping build awareness for startups like Aniche and Deviation. If you want to support the sites that help Ready Yeti make all this happen, then definitely go check out SBC Skier. And with that, um, let's get right into the episode. What is going on, Ready Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Savo here, your host. And I'm here with the team um, behind Aniche, the uh, bag company based out of Idaho. They uh, make pretty awesome gear, handmade, specifically in Idaho, with uh, Jeremy Homestead, Mark Ortiz, and Forrest Roadman. Uh, guys, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, you bet. Awesome. So, right off the bat, for the listener who may not have heard of Nietzsche, I'm saying that right, correct? Yeah, <laughs> um, totally. <laughs> pronouncing things has always been a challenge for me, <laughs> but for the person who hasn't heard of Anitra yeah. before, uh, what? who are you guys and what do you do? Well, I mean, we're, right now we're just a, a group of friends that just kind of like-minded, making backpacks and knickknacks. Uh, kind of ski bums here in the winter, and after we're done skiing for the day, we come into the office and sit around a couple sewing machines and... Make stuff. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what it is going on. <laughs> that's awesome. So how did, how the heck did you guys, three dudes, get into sewing? <laughs> I'll volunteer to start this story here. <laughs> the day was December 6th. And the sky was blue and the weather was cold. The year was 2011. And I was skiing with Jeremy and his now wife, Marina. And let's say the snowpack was shallow early season conditions did exist that day um and jeremy had the misfortune of breaking his femur um and as one of his rehabilitative activities he he picked up sewing um and so he we got to go ski all day and jeremy got to stay home and sew yeah (laughs) yeah no my, my my grandma gave me a sewing machine when i was 
um, getting better from that injury. And one thing just kind of led to another. And I, it was an old Bernina straight stitch sewing machine. And I just made my first backpack out of it. And it was, it was terrible. It was the worst <laughs> backpack ever. I absolutely loved it. Like seams were coming out everywhere. Like things were just like not proportional. And, but I really liked it. And I liked the idea of, making something with my hands, creating something that is useful and, you know, and, and durable. You know, I, I was a little burly back then and made things really tough and just like how we do now, but, uh, just that kind of like mind and, um, idea of just being able to create something myself and, and use it. Without a doubt. So, how how long was the road to recovery with breaking your femur? I know that's a. That's a <laughs> it uh, turns out Jeremy's related to Wolverine and the X Men <laughs> three months. Yeah, I, I was, it, it, conveniently he got cleared to ski the day I broke my collarbone. Yeah. So we actually didn't see that, that year at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was incredible. It was a compound fracture, but the docs held me up great, and I was three months after that. I was heading slopes. That's that's incredible. I sh- I uh, what was it? My senior year of high school, I shattered my tibia, offset my kneecap, destroyed some of the cartilage in my knee, and tore my ACL and MCL, and I was laid up for like seven months. <laughs> wow, that's, that's terrible. That is really unfortunate. <laughs> I play. I it was horrendous, but I missed like four months of school <laughs> as a result of it. That's so I guess is that a blessing at the time. Yeah. Senior year of yeah. High Luckily, it was the end of the season too, so like I had maybe a couple weeks left of of actual riding, which I missed out on. But in the terms of classwork, um, all my all my teachers felt really bad for me, so they were just like, "Yeah, you know, you can do this. You don't have to do all this, and yeah, you'll graduate with uh, you know, <laughs> with everyone else." I'm like, this is great. <laughs> nice. I'm glad it worked out all right, at least. Yeah, without a doubt. So. Jeremy, you you founded the company obviously when with that tragic accident. But Mark and Forrest, how did you guys uh, get involved? And in what what would you say is the sort of dynamic and and role between the three of you guys? Uh, I was living with Jeremy at the time, and due to his semi immobile state, I actually did a, a fair amount of fabric cutting for him just because I could move around on the floor with a pair of scissors better than him. <laughs> um, I, I really didn't become involved until probably. A year or two later, um, we were roommates in the winter, um, and he just—I think he just kind of got behind with people requesting things to get done, and so I just started giving him a hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm probably the newest member of the team. This is only my second season learning how to sew, so I guess I'd say I'm an apprentice more than anything. I'd give you a padawan. A padawan, okay, yeah. So I'm, so I'm starting to pick it up and get the hang of it uh, with some of the smaller items we make, like chalk bags and purses and, and totes and, and, and the like. Uh, but backpacks, I'm slowly picking it up. Just finished my first backpack yesterday, actually. Congratulations. Pretty stoked on it. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. So... What are your backgrounds? In obviously, you guys are skiers, but um, are you originally from Idaho? Uh, obviously, I, I assume the three of you have different backgrounds. So, whoever wants to start, just sort of walk us through how you got to this point. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, well, me and Mark, we grew up together. We, we played on opposing soccer teams growing up. We did. Mark used to wear glasses back in the day. <laughs> but um, yeah, me and Mark, we've been living together for many years since then on and off through college and whatnot and 
but we met Boris here and and Driggs when we moved out here a couple years ago. Four seasons ago, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, that's awesome. But, yeah. That's, that's yeah, and Boris is from Idaho as well. Yeah, from Idaho. I uh, spent five years in the Navy and then went to nursing school when I got out. Was doing that for about a year and it just wasn't feeling right my location and what I was going through. So I decided to find myself and then I ended up out here in the Tetons and met a bunch of like-minded people that I became really good friends with and they offered to teach me how to sew and here I am. That's yeah, awesome. So as far as our background, Jeremy and I kind of split up after high school. I moved down to Salt Lake to pursue a schema lifestyle, uh, consequently going to college because um, that seemed like a good excuse. Uh, and then uh, following graduation in 2010, I uh, continued being a seasonal drifter, so to speak, and moved out to ski at Mount Hood through the winter with Jeremy um, and a couple other friends. Um, and we've kind of stuck together after that. And we moved out uh, from Oregon out here to Idaho. And that's where we, we remain today. Indeed. That's awesome. And I, I want to do a quick shout out for Westminster College because I know, Mark, you went there. We were talking about it offline. And I did the winter at Westminster there, which uh, we were saying produces such a high caliber of skier. <laughs> Some of the craziest yeah. skiers ever <laughs> that I've had the pleasure of riding yeah. with have come out of I would, I would, I'd be completely lying to say that I didn't choose my degree based on my skiing time, but uh, <laughs> yeah. the economics program stated very clearly that they were going to just have classes two days a week. So I pretty much signed up for that on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of my professors there actually had the 10 inch rule where if it snowed more than 10 inches, they were like, yeah, if you don't want to show up and go ski, you could totally do that. I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Just follow the syllabus. Be ready on Thursday. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, what was the prototyping process like um, from when you first started to where you guys are now? Oh, man, we've really learned a lot since then. Some of those first bags, first generations. They were... I think some of the really hard stuff was figuring out what materials are going to have the durability and the qualities that we want. Exactly. Um, Jeremy made me a backpack that first year uh, that was about – large enough to carry maybe six toddlers in it. Yes. <laughs> uh, and in fact, it finally died carrying a keg of beer up the mountain for closing day. <laughs> nice. turns out that like 130 pounds is a little bit more than it could handle. But, uh, you know, so a lot of it was just trial and error, I think, where we'd yeah. see something and we'd say, hey, let's try to, let's try to emulate that. And then we'd, we'd, we'd give it a go and, and realize that either one, the construction was prohibitively difficult or, you know, two, it wouldn't quite fit right, or, you know, it, it was just brute force trial and error, I think, mm-hmm. for the most part. Lots of trial and error, yeah. None of us, we never went to schooling for any of this, <laughs> and it was a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, time spent behind the sewing machine, figuring out what worked and what didn't, and we found a lot of things that didn't work out. We've become very expressive in our profanities. yeah i totally get that that's uh that's really cool so what is the full a full line of bags that you guys offer um right now we're really exploring a little more of the outdoor 
gear. I mean, we have a, a new bag called the Ortiz Pro model after Mark Ortiz. And, uh, but, and that's geared more towards a backcountry skiing. You know, it's got your probe and shovel sleeve and, and shovel pockets and, and whatnot. But we really, we first started making stuff like messenger rags and a lot of roll tops, you know, things that were, that when I was living in the city in Portland that I thought would, would work out well, but we're slowly kind of gearing towards, yeah, a little more outdoor gear and, and just, um, things that would be used often, a, you know, a daily bag that, you know, somebody's going to use and pick up and use every day and beat it up. And, and, um, so yeah, we're kind of going in that direction. Uh, in addition, we make some purses, uh, smaller accessory bags, mm-hmm. chalk, um, bags. chalk bags for climbers. Yeah. Kind of a tote bag for groceries and laptops or whatever. So a handful of backpack designs and then, yeah. Disc golf. Disc golf bag. Yeah. Just kind of any, any kind of bag, what kind of sport we're into at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I guess we're, we're, we're going through quite a bit of changes. A, a Nietzsche, the, the word itself means always changing and that's why i thought it was so fitting because you know i'm i'm learning something every day when i'm sewing and and so i'm learning new techniques and of how to make a bag or whatnot and also designs are changing constantly from you know moment to moment and so we we are uh we're all you know our, our gear is changing a lot but we are trying to Geared, I mean, we're trying to establish more of a line of a product as well in the meantime. So we're, we're in a transitional period. Without a doubt. No, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. What would you guys say is something unique about you, the product, or your business that not that many people know about? Uh, I would say the um, customization that one can have. Uh, we really... Tr- like to have within the customer to design the bag. I mean, roughly with our same designs that we have, but like with choosing their colors and maybe altering maybe a couple pockets if they need a little something here or there. But we really mainly like people choosing the colors of their bag. You know, we have some available colors that they can choose from and uh, just to make it a little more personal towards the the buyer. Yeah, it's really fun for me to to make a bag knowing that it's something that the, the whoever is ordering it particularly asked for and uh, being able to think of that person the whole time I'm making making their product is pretty cool mm-hmm. it's very one of kind you know, a lot of our friends come in and it's fun to get to work with them and make exactly what they want made sometimes we can made. sucker them into cutting out fabric but yeah, pretending yeah. that they're going to be part of the process <laughs> really it's helping us <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's really interesting. So someone who goes online and, and buys um, a bag, would you guys contact them, sort of um, asking them if they have any sorts of preferences or anything like that? Or would they have to reach out to you specifically to do that? Yeah, I mean, we are – the website right now currently you can choose like a main color and a secondary color. And right. then there's like a notes section currently. So oh, like okay. if there's any additional customization in there. But usually if I have any questions or, you know, I, I think maybe the the buyer, like, might be hesitant on something, I'll definitely reach out to them and ask them and try to get a little more further detail on that. 
yeah, the more the more clarifications we can receive before we start the project, the more confidence I have that it's going to come out to be something that they'll be proud of and use uh, right. in the future. Yeah, that's really interesting. So all all the bags obviously they take a two to three week period to get to the consumer. Um, have you guys? How do you deal with sort of workflow and getting uh, like backlogged with orders? Is, has that ever sort of been an issue with you guys? Yeah, a little bit here and there. It's been really nice having Mark and and Forrest helping out. I mean, we're we, we can stay on top of it right now. Two to three weeks is is the you know what I like to give myself a, a time frame just in case. But right, they usually don't take that long to 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 knock out, but. I mean, we. I feel like we manage our time pretty well. I mean, it's, you know, we we divvy up the workload with each other, and and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty democratic distribution of work. Like, say the skiing's really good, I might slack pretty hard and try to push it on these guys. <laughs> <laughs> so they take it pretty well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so, what mentors have you guys had uh, along this process? Um. I mean, I mostly learned to sew from Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. And I learned everything that I know from YouTube. And <laughs> just reading online as well. I, I, I think once you start manufacturing a backpack, you'll understand the process that it takes, like when you're putting on a pocket, like when to put on a pocket or when not to. I think after you do a couple bags, like you just, you slowly understand how a backpack is constructed. And um, that that was the biggest learning part for me was now now at this point I can look at any bag and I understand when like how they made it. So right, right. Getting to that point was was the was the tough part, but once you achieve that, it, it goes by pretty easily. I'm I'm still asking a lot of questions. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty much looking to Jeremy and Mark for all the tips and advice and know-how to get to get the job done so they're the ones that have really guided my skills thus far i think i get a little bit of the like court and here's a who dr seuss persistence stubbornness thing going on <laughs> where like all of a sudden i'll make a mistake and then it'll be like four in the morning and i'm finally going home and i was hoping to quit at 10 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I get pretty stubborn and when things go wrong i kind of dig in and get stuck in a rut until it's fixed <clears throat> yeah i know what you mean so whenever ever you guys see a, a bag or do you like grab it and like analyze it and be like oh this is Jeremy, <laughs> that's for sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> for sure if i see something cool out there i'll i'll stop the person that who's wearing it like do you mind if i just look at that back real quick <laughs> Oh, that's funny. When I when I first started building skis a while ago, I would do that. I would like 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 stare. I'd be like, "What's the construction on this materials?" Oh, yeah, totally. Like I just look like an idiot. Like people are like, "Why are you staring at my skis like that?" I'm like, "I just uh, just ignore me." <laughs> like, that, that, I think that's a poplar cord, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is there carbon fiber in that, or is it just? Uh... <laughs> well, that's pretty light. There's clearly no metal layers in there. <laughs> exactly. Cool. I can, I can uh, share the enthusiasm in that in that aspect <laughs> that's awesome so what what would you guys say is your commitment to sustainable manufacturing obviously everything is made in-house uh, how do you guys source your materials and sort of make that a priority i mean it, it, it's definitely something always on our minds being uh, you know it, i would love to be a fully eco-friendly company 
but we get a lot of our stuff through a wholesaler up there in Washington, but we try to recycle as much as we possibly can. Either if it's a pair of jeans, you know, we're using for for some projects or recently my my stepmom and dad, they just ripped up their wonderful leather couch for me to use all the leather, <laughs> <laughs> which will last me for a little bit. But yeah, we, we, I, I try to be as sustainable as possible with my makings. We definitely are cheating a little bit. Idaho pulls something like 50% of its commercial electricity through hydroelectric power. So we like accidentally went on that account. <laughs> um, then, uh, I recently have outfitted my like soccer mom minivan with some solar panels. So now I have like a portable sewing unit in my car for my adventures in the summer. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty cool. I gave it its trial run, the maiden voyage this last fall. Um, and everything went without a hitch. And I made like 10 accessory bags uh, for one of the storefronts we stopped in Boise. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Where were you, where were you uh, traveling around? Uh, I went down to southern Utah and uh, did a bunch of hiking out in the desert, some canyoneering. Nice. And then uh, one, when, every couple of days when I was tired, I just instead of going hiking, I'd sit and sew for probably six or eight hours and um, just kind of troubleshoot a little couple small problems and uh, – it was a pretty grand adventure. You should tell me your idea with your bus. Where are you going with that? Oh yeah, me and me and my wife were building a, a tiny home um, on wheels, and I was hoping to be done with it right now. But um, we should be finished with it this next summer. But we'll be outfitting it with a sewing office in there and living out of it full time. What kind of vehicle is this? This is a 2003 International School Bus. <laughs> and, oh. uh, Wait a second. Did you guys have a was something shared? I saw something like this on unofficial networks, where people were outfitting a bus. I don't know if it was you or if that's where you guys got the idea from, um, but it, it go it went through basically the whole like setup of it. And I'm like, I saw that, and I'm like, archiving this. I'm doing this at some point in my life. <laughs> I I fall into it. I I really love the idea of because me and my wife we've been living out of our vans during the summertime for the last six or so years traveling and and um but we want to live out of this thing full time and especially in the winter here and drinks it gets pretty cold but we'll but we yeah we're gonna outfit it all the insides and we just recently raised the roof of it about a foot and a half that's, to give us that's a little a headroom literal raise the roof yeah <laughs> but that's that's the next step with with the Nietzsche is to have a, a little mobile office that we can travel and go to shows and and uh, do work on the road. That's interesting. So that leads directly into my next question of the culture. It, it, how? What is the culture? So it's the three of you guys sort of um, that run the show, obviously, and do all the sewing and everything. So with you guys traveling and obviously creating a lot of bags, how, what is it like? What's the day, um, the average day like for you guys? We all went skiing today, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I worked all day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course, he was the nose to the grindstone. <laughs> he was the responsible. He was better. Yeah. He was not allowed out of the room. <laughs> but it's it's pretty casual here, and that's kind of how the dream that I've had of of this being is. I want to make uh, a sustainable environment for friends and like minded people who, you know, I I I'm not necessarily. I don't want a nine to five job and I, I think our lives are too short to 
to um, not live each moment by the moment, you know, not to be present in the moment. I think that's a really important thing in my life um, to have and, and be aware of. And so, I mean, when you walk into this office at any given moment, there's probably a beer cracked and <laughs> somebody's pulling some joke on another person. Yeah. But, but at the same time, we're, we're, we're doing hard work here and, and we want to make, we, I think we all like to have the idea of creating something for somebody else that's going to be used and you know used well and and uh and yeah pretty much it's so to to get back to the original question yeah it's like in the winter it's it's get up ski and then when the sun goes down then it's work time Mm -hmm. and then kind of depending on the workload we might be here you know two hours or six or if i do something real dumb maybe 12 (laughs) um and I think that's kind of the same. Jeremy and Forrest both work different hours than I do um, on on the ski hill, um, but it's kind of like daylight's dark ski time and night time's the work time yeah. during the winter. Work life balance, especially when you're in the mountains, yeah. it's uh, it's a perfect yeah. thing to do. And uh, it sounds like you guys have a great setup. <laughs> I'm very jealous. Yeah, I'm pretty jealous. Yeah, I feel pretty lucky every morning. Yeah. Without a doubt. So what, what would you guys say is the hardest part about building your business? I would say for me at least is probably social media aspect of things. I've never, never really been good at reaching out to the world via internet or, you know, websites and whatnot. I, my main, um, uh, interest is just making things i i've really been just been kind of a crafty little fella and i like making things with my hands and i i that's probably the biggest thing i struggle with i would say uh i think for me it's uh as far as product presence i far prefer making like intricate backpacks and custom orders on the backpacks for my friends and other people that want them Um, but as far as like product presence in the market uh, a storefront's much more likely to to sell smaller items, and so I find myself having to make uh, smaller products for for a store that will sell it. So I don't even know who I'm working for at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, right. and, and for me, that's the biggest the biggest that's hurdle. Intimacy. I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's less intimate mm-hmm. when I'm making something, um, and it's it's absolutely necessary because that's how we can get our name out and kind of promote ourselves. Mm-hmm is to make these things that will sell, even though they're not my favorite thing to make at all. (laughs) Yeah, since I'm just getting started, I've been trying my hardest to network with friends, friends from the Navy, friends from high school, just get a hold of as many people, you know, hey, can I, I'm making bags now, can I make you a bag, like check these out, and getting a lot of positive uh, feedback from people I people I know and people that are excited for what we're doing here, which feels pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. It, I think you guys bring up a great point. Like when you start a business, you have to, you have to do all the things, including the things you hate. <laughs> and yeah. it, it's funny. I feel like I'm always stuck doing the things I hate. <laughs> I'm glad you're taking time to talk to us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> except, for, except for recording the podcast, obviously. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, running a business, you wear so many damn hats and like, 
For me, I think the thing that I hate the most is probably the accounting aspect of it and like trying to make sure all the numbers work and then being like, well, we spent way too much here. What can we, you know what I mean? Like trying to figure all that stuff out. And um, it, it's taxing and it's exhausting. And if you don't do it and go to sleep, it's still there in the morning. <laughs> you know? so, no, definitely. It doesn't leave you alone. <laughs> um, what would you guys say is your, your, your greatest fears in relation to the business? Um, probably uh, unsatisfactory customer, I'd yeah. say. You know, because we, we really want to make these bags we make them with love and compassion every every stitch is is delicately placed but you know to have someone I remember that order come back and, and not like it or you know it wasn't the right color or something you know it, it kind of puts a little damper on it but but i mean that, stuff like that happens you know and and, and we just if, if you are in the moment and doing the best you can you know for that specific bag i think that's that's all you can ask for yeah it's definitely same kind of fear for me is like finishing a product and not having satisfactory or worse having it fail yeah like having something break that's my fault what what do we do if something does break or something does fail well, it, we have, immediately. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we have we have a hundred percent uh, satisfactory guaranteed uh, you know some if, if there's any defect with our products we, we repair it for free yeah it's yeah. our it's our word of honor writing on our products so I, I think that's, gotta, that's such an important thing when I think running a business is you have to like the customer is always right and you've got to do everything you can to please them. I remember the first time I got a negative email response from a subscriber and I was, I like took it to heart. I was like, no, you can't be mad at me. Like, like I love, like, you know, like, like ready Eddie is everything to me. Like when you say this, it like crushes my soul, <laughs> you know, but you got to understand that like, you're not going to please everyone. And that there are people out there that just either they're not a right fit or you know you may you might make a mistake, and as long as you do everything you can to correct that mistake and do right by them, like I, I, that's such an important thing that I feel like a lot of businesses don't don't understand or even do. Definitely, definitely. this is probably my favorite uh, aspect of this job. Is uh, I'll give myself the title head of product testing, and so part of my obligation is I have to go test all the products extremely hard and so that's why i have to ski like more than 100 days every year is to make sure that we're really giving these backpacks a run for their money <laughs> hey man now someone's got to do it like yeah. we got disc golf breaks to test the disc golf bags now just to make sure they work right yeah <laughs> it's not that we want to go play disc golf no, much no, yeah. at all <laughs> that's funny that's that's great what, what would you guys say is uh, some of the biggest mistakes you've made I can tell you I made a bag for my buddy Kent Boardman down in Salt Lake, and uh, I put on one of the flaps backwards and didn't realize it. And so uh, about six hours later, I was closing the bag. I thought I was done, and then I realized it was wrong. Uh, the flap was backward, and the Velcro didn't connect. <laughs> so I had to take the whole thing apart and turn the flap around. <laughs> oh, close man. It again. The second time I closed it and finished it, I realized that I had the loop side of the Velcro to the loop side of the Velcro, and then it still wouldn't close, and I had to take it apart again and then put the hook side back on. Uh, um, 
So I stayed up really late that night. <laughs> yeah. I had some new curses. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I guess there's just there's always little mistakes while sewing that you know you, you'll put a big long stitch into something and realize that oh no that the bobbin ran out of the beginning. <laughs> yeah, the bobbin ran out, or, or you needed to put a pocket on there before. You know, those sometimes those happen, but yeah, there's a lot of attention to detail when it comes to sewing. It's not necessarily one big mistake, but just yeah. small steps that you end up forgetting that throws you way off. Yep. Definitely a skilled labor for yeah, sure. That is for sure. Yeah, I, the best way I can relate to that is either with ski building, like the first pair of skis I ever built. I epoxied uh-huh. them to our ski press or to the bottom mold. Nice. Two points. <laughs> yeah. First off, like, it, like if you've ever built skis, like they take like eight hours to cure and then obviously right. all the work before that. And I had to build the, the bottom mold and, um, like I go in there, I'm like super excited to pull them out, and I go to pull them, and they're just like stuck, and I'm like, why isn't this? Cool? <laughs> I'm like futzing with it, and I'm like, oh crap! I epoxied it to the bottom mold, and I had to redo the bottom mold, and then obviously just I like put oh, it in no. the corner of my workshop as like sort of a, yep, I did this <laughs> first pair. And I feel like that's one to hang on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> exactly 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 the second pair i my my uh business partner snapped in the backcountry and stow and then <laughs> it took us like two hours to climb out because the snow was like, up to our waist. but um what would you guys say um what advice would you give to someone who wanted to start a, a business in the outdoor industry uh do a lot of research on what you want to do, the type of people that you're trying to target and, you know, all the logistics behind it. You know, when I first started this, I, I thought I could get by with just a single little sewing machine, but you know, a lot of things add up. Once the, once the demand starts kicking in, you're going to need a lot more equipment and materials. And just, I always underestimated how much it would cost to start up at least this particular business, but right. I don't know. I yeah, it's kind of a tough one. It kind of depends on what kind of business you're going into, obviously. But I think for me, it was uh, I was uh, pretty passionate about it from the get go. I think that kind of carried me through a lot of the rough times. Was that I was mostly just interested in making stuff, and Jeremy was doing all the legwork, so it was pretty pretty cool on my part. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so what would you guys say is the best part about running an Icha? Just how it's, it's just a relaxed environment. You know, we all we all really enjoy each other's company here. And, you know, we enjoy working with each other and just being able, you know, there's no, it's there's no clock in thing that, that we come into and punch in and punch out. It's very... You know, you you know your workload that you got to do, and you get it done in a timely manner. And yeah, you're your own boss. Like even though Jeremy owns the place and is the boss, like we're our own bosses, and mm-hmm. I can set my own hours and work when I want to, and take a month off if I need to. I just have to tell him beforehand that I'm not going to be there, and the workload's on them. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very casual work environment, and that's that's I think what I enjoy the most. Yeah. Me too. I, for sure. I, I've, I've never. I think. When we're working as a team, just like 
communicating with each other on what projects we're doing and and I think we always get the best results doing it that way instead of feeling pressured, you know, there's a deadline, we all gotta work doing this hours tonight. But so that's probably my favorite part about yeah. it. I I can get used to it. And work with the homies. Yeah. Yeah, with the homies and getting to create something I think is really unique. I'm not the most artistic person until I started working here and then you're just like creating these really cool products from the ground up and feels good. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. So what's what's in store for the future, the next year, five years, ten years? Um, pretty much just establish a, uh, a presence up here in the Northwest and just kind of let the word, get the word out about us. Sewing on the go. Exactly, as well. <laughs> uh, it, it would be great to have this office here be in full swing and also with the bus as well, traveling and, and going to shows. and A fleet of buses. A fleet of buses. Horace <laughs> <laughs> has a bus as well that, that he's working on. Yeah, we live together, and there's currently uh, two school buses parked in the driveway. A lot of very confused elementary school children. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's yeah, awesome. just kind of expand at, a, at an organic growth is, is I, I feel like, is... And on the on the deck of cards for us. That's great. So, so how many bags are you guys doing a, a season currently? Oh, jeez, I don't know. I don't know. That depends. I mean, it could range a couple hundred, or I mean, we've it'd be hard to put a number on that. Yeah. I have to really look at. It's. I mean. If you just think about like someone working almost a full time all year long, you know we could we could make a backpack in about you know about five hours or so. You can, yeah, you can. can. Yeah, you make one in about five days. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit slower, yeah. But That's great, guys. I, I really appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to chat with me. This was uh, it was really cool getting to know you guys and hearing more about your story and where you guys are going in the future. And for anyone that's listening to this, you guys uh, can head over to RedYeti.com to enter to win an Ortiz Pro Model Backcountry Pack. Um, if you're listening to this between January 10th and the 24th, we're also going to be giving away a pair of deviation skis. And with that, guys, where can uh, the listeners find out more about you and keep tabs on your adventures in the in the school bus or just <laughs> with uh, Anicha? Yeah, I mean, we got a website. It's uh, anichabags.com. It's A-N-I-C-C-A-B-A-G-S. Um, or if you're in Drake's or the Teton Valley, we would love to for you guys to come and swing by and, and say hi at the shop. Person. Yeah, sure. Cool. Thanks for having us on the show. Yeah, I appreciate the you. opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. Appreciate it, Josh. Anytime. And with that, um, yeah, enjoy the rest of your evening, guys. All right. Well, thanks, yeah, you Josh. You as well. Hey, Ready Any Podcast listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, then I would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddie Podcast. I'll catch you next week.